0: Welcome to the No Ideas Original Podcast featuring Shanam, Mr. Rob Zane, and Ken. We got episode ninety-eight. What's good, man? How you doing? I'm good, man. Good. How's everything been? Everything has been alright. You see that the, the change in the um the weather? It went from being extremely warm to now in the morning when I get up to go to work, it be like fifty degrees outside. Squid Game on uh
1: on Netflix. Oh, yeah. Yeah man, yeah I, I, I watched <laughs> you the whole series, series or only you watched a couple of episodes? I I, end up watching, I have watched a couple of episodes And then I end up going back and watching the whole, the whole series mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's crazy though because It shows you how much people will, are willing to do for money mm-hmm. You know, you get a whole bunch of people together Doing all types of kids games and crazy stuff in extreme conditions On top of the fact that the people are offering to pay out the money people are trying to kill each other to eliminate the numbers to make it easier to get the money. When yeah. You know, um, so for, for those
0: who, who haven't watched Squid Game yet, you know, I don't want to even spoil it. Let me give you a little um, behind the scenes, set some context of what it's about. It's actually um, a Korean, I think it's a South Korean television yeah. show um, that where basically there are people that are in need of money and they go and they They're in need of money, and they're approached by a stranger in the street with an opportunity to play a game. The game sort of lures them in for a larger reward, and they have the opportunity to call in a number on a card so that they can participate in the larger game. Now, nobody knew, this is what's bugged me about it, nobody knew initially what the games they would be playing were. So they picked the people up, they drugged them, took them to a secret location, took them in for the first go-round, they played the game, they played the first game. The first game was red light, green light. And they yeah. found out without giving away too many of the details that it was, it was some horrific things going on in relation to the um, to the game. Now, after playing the game, what they ended up doing was they, they gave them the option. But part of the rules of the game was that if, if you no longer wanted to play the game, if the majority voted that they wanted the game to end, then people could vote. The game would end and it would cancel the, um, the game and people would be sent back home. So what happened was after the first game, majority voted to cancel and they ended up all going back home. But then probably a couple of days later, all these people called back and wanted to return to play the game because it was some, some enormous amount of money, <coughs> excuse me, enormous amount of money associated with winning the prize. But then it turns out that these games become more and more sinister and and pit the people against each other with the intentions of the, the people trying to win the money. So it's I think it's one of those shows that I when I say that it's like something that's like great written though no, but it's one of them things that's sort of like a train wreck that people can't turn away from after you start watching. I, think I sat down and watched it um, the first uh, the first episode I watched it I was like oh, okay. I watched the second one, and I was like, "Ah, it is what it is. I left it alone. And then something kind of drew me back to it, and I, I feel like I may have ended up watching the whole thing either in one day or, or, or a day and a
1: half to watch all of it. Yeah. Movie. Yep, that's that's what I ended up doing. I mean, greed is a huge motivator, that, let's mm-hmm. just put it that way. I'm like, yeah, I ended up going back and watching the whole thing like, this is crazy. Yeah.
0: I don't know if it's supposed to be, at, at, you know, at the end, I guess it's supposed to be some sort of plot twist or whatever it was. It wasn't a huge surprise for me or anything in terms of, like, the the, the supposed plot twist associated with it. Um, wasn't a great show. Probably not a great show. But uh, entertaining, definitely entertaining. And you see it's become, like, sort of like this uh, social media giant like it's all over social media, it's the big yeah. to-do everything that everybody's talking about. Um so I, I mean if you if you're not looking for substance but you like gore and you like comedy, to me then I think it's something um something worth watching.
1: Yeah. They're making a bunch of money now off of like merchandising. They even have people looking for like costumes for Halloween. Mm. They make those available. But I'm sure they'll make them available but there's a lot of money being made off of that right now and, and the guy who created it I don't think he got any support initially for that show at all. It yeah, took- it got it got declined,
0: I think they said, in yeah. South Korea. And that's how I found this way to Netflix. You know, a lot of people are complaining that they, that they tried to watch it and they can't deal with the, um, the mouth off, you know, like the voice off. Oh, yeah, or- yeah.
1: yeah.
0: Uh, for me, like, I think after I started watching some of the first episode, I was past the fact that it was a voiceover, but probably also because as a kid, you know, you get used to watching them kung fu flicks. Yeah. Kung fu flicks are all voiceover, so you don't think anything of it. And I've seen far worse on, who told, on like regular TV when you watch BT and they want to edit, edit out the curses and be like, oh, mother, yeah, no.
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I I think some of the voiceover stuff is probably generational too, because like you said, when they had karate movies coming on Channel 5 on the weekend, it was way off, and if they want to see bad voiceovers, I watched um Shaft on BET recently. Oh, and You know, how many times that you know, how many times this guy, the Daniel Jackson, yeah, they were talking about motherflyer. They done went into everything, they don't even keep it consistent now, they just keep switching the words. So, I thought that was kind of funny, yeah. Well, I already heard that they're working on a Squid Game season two, yeah,
0: yeah. And did you also hear that the um. The number that was on the card that people was calling—that some, some lady's business or something like that—and people <laughs> are, all of a
1: sudden, somebody, somebody had to. Look, I heard a friend of hers let her know that the number. but So next year they're gonna take it off. They're gonna take it off the thing they don't want people calling. Yeah, South Korea is raw because you know usually in the states they hit it
0: whatever is five five five. The first three just for everybody's number in the movies is five five five. I mean, so yeah, so if if you like gore um and entertainment entertainment is very entertaining you know i think they try to add a little bit of backstory in there by telling like for some of the main characters what was their motivation that kind of got them there um but for the most part it wasn't like that they went to like some in-depth analysis uh, uh, around it and developed it like you know they really they got to it you know so we'll 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 see we'll see what comes of it you know if they continue going, away we'll see actually if they can come back with a second season the to top the first season because remember tiger king was all the hype at 1.2 oh. how fast that faded oh. Yeah. netflix is on fire though now too i mean i, I know we, we didn't
1: tend to talk about this really but did you catch dave Chappelle's new stand-up yet yeah yeah I was, I was just watching so i mean i thought it was funny but I, I get what he was saying i think some people missed the point where he said I'm not going to be on TV for a while or something. <laughs> <like>. <laughs> so I think he's anticipating the backlash before it yeah. even started. But I mean, some of the stuff, it, it is funny. It, it, it's the truth and it's how you feel. So I mean, it, it, you got know, people talking about they should cancel Dave stuff. I don't think he would care either way. Mm-hmm. But it, it's, it's pretty funny, like some of the stuff he said. And you got to, like, some of the things are real subtle too. So you got to be paying attention what he's I, think, I think that I think Dave Chappelle is a
0: comedic genius and I think he knew that his commentary in this particular stand-up was going to elicit a, <laughs> lot of, a lot of conversation and one way or another people are going to look at it. They're either going to look at it because they're a fan of him and they want to be entertained or they're going to look at it for the purpose of saying like, oh, what is this ho- what is this horrible stuff? That, yeah. he, that he said. But it, it kind of almost seems like, honestly, like, like Dave Chappelle has like this weird relationship with the LGBT community. Like, I don't know. It's like he's kind of like stoking the flames, like trolling them, you know, and, and, yeah. and, and attempting to get a response from them based on the stuff that he says. And I wonder, because, you know, everybody's position, well, not everybody, but most people's position around it is like, well, it's just comedy, you know, and there's some validity to the things that he's saying and maybe people are overreacting. You know, so I've, I've been kinda, and looking at it, I was thinking, you know, like, how would I feel, and race is something completely different from yeah, the sexuality agenda, but I'm like, how would I feel if it was a white comedian standing up there telling a whole bunch of black, derogative black jokes, or whatever it is, like, what would, what would my response be to it? And what would the black community's response be to it? Like, would we be calling for cancellation for the person, or, you know, and I, and again, like I said, like I don't think race and in, in, in gender and sexuality is the same thing. But I'm trying to just I'm really trying to figure out like how do I put myself in other people's um, shoes because to me like is it to me it's almost like you know like watching it as an observer, like we sort of like an innocent bystander for, for other people's like you watching it and you get humor off of it at other people's expense. But then I go back to but isn't that sort of the nature of comedy?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I think that if it was like you said from a race perspective, it would probably be some outrage because some of the stuff, like, some of the stuff he goes over the line. But I think, I think it's like you said because of that relationship that he has with that with the community. I think that they shouldn't. I, I mean, everybody has a certain level of sensitivity, but they should anticipate that this is where he's going. Like he started off the show with that whole thing with the baby, yeah. I that where he was representing the baby in the community, yeah. So I, that was interesting. But when you look when you look at it, some of the stuff, some of the stuff, you know, it may be funny because you outside of the situation, like you yeah, said, yeah, you know, yeah. That's what I was thinking. You're not necessarily in the situation, but I I, I would say that if, if, you know within the the, the LGBTQ community. There's probably some people that you know still take it as just jokes and stuff like Mm -hmm. that a lot of times in these situations people that are not a part of the community seem to become like when they just like the same thing with race people seem more outraged than the people who is directed to yeah wow that's
0: you know why i think that is though because i think that there are certain people that are almost like the um the de facto gatekeepers or the de facto watchers or they they sort of they, for lack of a better phrase they almost like the vigilantes of 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 of, of um of what do you call of, of ethics and morality and what you should and you shouldn't do and what you should say and what you shouldn't say like there are some people i think that really take that position and that they, they become crusaders for that like you know don't say that that was hurtful and and i get it and you know i, I get it i'm not saying that his comments were right or wrong Um, I just, I just, I, I, I think that the things he do and the things that he say are intentional, and I think they're very intentional, and I think they're for a reason. And I don't know if his his rationale for doing it was because I don't just think it was that he just wanted to stoke the fire, you know, in the transgender community or the LGBTQ community. I think that he, you know, that he was trying to get across um a clear message and i also think that part of him is part of him is trolling you know saying with the intentions of now puts netflix in a position because they want to remove off of netflix but i'm sure that's that's probably like one of their top 10 shows or whatever for the for the week you know and i think that the other part of it is that he's this is the last special associated with his deal so maybe you feel like yeah, i'm dropping the mic on this and and i'm I'm walking out with this you know like dave chappelle is always also been very much like marched to the feet of his own drum. And who yeah. knows, maybe like, you know what, just the long step like he said, the last time you're gonna see me for a while or yeah. Yeah, for a while. I don't personally think though that he needs to pick up and take um take responsibility or be the defender of all comedians. Like as yeah. I feel like some of the stuff that he does now is to try to defend comedians right to um freedom yeah. of speech to yeah. say stuff. To be funny or whatever, and there are some comedians. Again, I think it all compares to what, what context people are saying in it, because you know there are black comedians plenty of times that make fun of white white folks in the audience, and that goes yeah. over, that goes over very different than a white comedian making fun of Black people in all these, especially depending on what they're saying, because if the yeah. white comedian said the wrong thing, people are going to be like, oh, stereotypes, racist, and this, that, or whatever. And I think all this comes from a place of like, just with the historical context of things are, you know, in, in, in this country, you know, like there's always been, there, there's, there's always been um, this, this whole piece around what political correctness is. But to me, like the essence, probably a lot of times of a good comedian, is a person who has the ability to kind of toe that line, you know, when to step over that line and when not to cross that line. You know, like I'm tr- I can't really think of too many really great comedians that exhibited decency, you know, and that they were great. If you do, if you think about it, it's probably like a dude like the last one, sad to say, it was probably a dude like Bill Cosby, you know, but then you found out he wasn't living. <laughs> living in D.C. Totally yeah. yeah, he was a, he was a clean comedian. His com- his comedy
1: reflected something different,
0: and I don't know if you see those kind of comedians
1: anymore. I mean, I would I wouldn't be surprised if Dave Chappelle is communicates with a lot of people from that you know from that community. I mean, I think some of his stuff is calculated. You know, there's, there's people that he spoke to like he mentioned certain areas like the Stonewall stuff and all that stuff that that's like the story so he's obviously doing his research I don't think he's just he's saying anything so I'm sure there's people that support what he support some of the stuff he said in within that community I think Dave Chappelle when he was when he gets gone, he just gets gone it's one one of those things where some people could, could go to a point and transition to some Dave Chappelle could probably sit there and say jokes for the next four hours about the same thing and just keep mm-hmm. going out and some, yeah. people, some people may take it as wrong because it might be a little relentless in that way <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's yeah, exactly
1: like. exactly what it was because I
0: was like damn this is and, and you know what I think another thing if you think about it, you compare it to his last the last special I think he had was the one where he was talking it was like the eight minutes and it was the, jo- the George Floyd one what's that his last yeah. one
1: yeah that one
0: so you think about that i was thinking about that in contrast to this one and i'm like man this is really long but it was long particularly on that subject i'm like this dude ain't gonna to the next subject he don't really hammer this home you know usually they have a bit that they roll with for five minutes maybe ten minutes But i'm like man this dude is really like i had looked away i picked my head up and looked back and he was still at it yep. like, oh man so i don't know i guess you know what the true definition of, of seeing if it's canceled let's see if there's the same level of outrage next week as it was this week because it came out on Tuesday people were people were outraged for like Tuesday Wednesday and Thursday this week today is friday it died down a little bit yeah you know let's let's see if people have that same level of outrage through the weekend when everybody on the weekend is going to probably watch who yeah. hasn't watched it already and because it's gotten so much notoriety the only thing it's going to do is drum the numbers up for netflix for more people to flock to it and watch it now to be like yeah i got to see what this dude said yeah yep you know so between squid game and, and dave Chappelle, netflix
1: is on Chappelle. fire right now you gotta figure it wouldn't make sense for them if, if i went up and i wasn't even gonna consider to take it down i would keep it up for at least another week because listen you could I, you could easily say that with your process of deciding whether you want to take it down and not by getting all of those views through this weekend and next weekend and then make i wouldn't make a decision now while I'm millions of people trying to check it out yeah i don't know about you but on monday when
0: Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp, when all that stuff was, was down, yeah, I me mean, a lot of people was
1: upset about it, but to me, it was kind of refreshing. It was, it was, you know what? It sounds, there's a crazy analogy, but it was like you remember when, um, you know how when the pandemic started and they first put people in the house, and the whole world seemed to get quiet. Mm-hmm. You to see animals walking in the street you ain't seen in a while. <laughs> It looked like a Bambi seeing animals in the street. The air is cleaner. Mm-hmm. Everything else. When social media shut down, the whole world got quiet. I think I think to some extent, it's shutting down. It, it hurts some people because people just didn't know what to do with themselves. It's almost like without the internet and social media, people forgot how to talk to each other, <laughs> don't go outside. It's, it's like they didn't know what to do. do. And it, it's just confusing to people to see, well, wait a minute what do we do without this but it's also scary it's really scary what's in the reliance that people have on these things and that they really if you think about it there's no there's no but I'll, I'll let's say let's say this if you have an app that was in that legitimately is a business app and it goes down there's a remedy for that they have to pay you for your loss There's no disclaimer on Facebook or Instagram. Facebook could literally shut this whole service down for the next six hours. Mm -hmm. Like, oh well. I mean, yeah, some businesses, the people who pay, they were hurt. But as far as the regular consumer, they have no obligation to, to maintain service to anybody
0: yeah you know what you know what i think it hurt a lot of people because there are a lot of people whose life revolve around social media like so, so many people people rely on keeping in contact with people via social media they rely on getting their news from from social media um all their social all their social interactions the people that they believe and i use that word accurately that they believe that their friends exist on social yeah. media, so you take all of that away from people for I don't know how many hours it it actually was, but a lot of people were acting like it was the end of the world as they know it. But to, to me, it's like almost like what you said, though. I kind of felt like, all right, I don't gotta click on Instagram and see people, um, you know, constantly talking about vaccinations. I don't got I don't have to. I don't have to. I um, call it turn on Instagram and see, you know, people um, talking about politicians more you know all this stuff like yo as much as I dislike Donald Trump one thing that I say about that Donald Trump really brought to light is that there's a lot of fake news there is yeah there's a lot of fake news and to me like the the, one of the main places that fake news is It's through social media. It's like people just grab bits and pieces of things and string them together. And then all of a sudden, because people see stuff on social media, it becomes a fact. They they take a clip out of context, take it and run with it. Um, The people I really fell for, though, is the people who actually use WhatsApp. Because WhatsApp is a a big app that's used for people that live internationally to actually communicate with each other free of charge. So that, to me, is... Yeah, yeah. All more detrimental. Like, if you got family that live in another country that you use to stay in contact with, that makes sense. But going on Facebook to look at memes, to see a person, you know, there are people that's dead up on Facebook that they, you know, about to go to jail and they got a picture of one hand on the phone and a cop on the other. Oh, I'm in the hospital, I ain't gonna make it through this one. You know, <laughs> you see people on the, on the damn the, defibrillator, hold on, get a snapshot of me. It's like, yo, to, to have a break. Not having to look at that stuff. It, it To me, it was amazing, and a lot of people's response to it is like, "Well, you don't have to look at it." And I think that the what cell phones and what I know Apple has built in is they built in like the time thing to show how much time you are yeah. spending on these apps. But we've also been programmed that when we believe we have downtime, to take out our phones and scroll through these apps and look at these apps. So I can only imagine if they did a study. To see how many times people attempt to refresh Facebook or Instagram, it will probably be billions of times. You know, I I made a joke. I was like, productivity was probably at an all-time high because people, instead of being able to be at work in their desk on social media, they probably was like, well, I guess I got to do the damn work. These people pay me to do now. You know, yeah. But but the flip side, I I
1: look at look at it.
0: I was saying the flip side of it is that yo know, probably people weren't working because they probably was in panic mode and had anxiety like oh man you need to tell me i can't post this i can't i can't upload this video i can't see what's
1: going on or whatever on facebook the craziest thing is when you when you look at it people are so obsessed with everything i mean listen i don't want to see your food <laughs> you know you, you you, everything you do your whole life is chronicled on there most of the stuff is the fake news People have this misconception of conflated, this idea that they need to put their whole life on social media for people to see. And when it's not there and you can't do it, those people panic because that's that's the narrative that they're trying to push or something. I can't, this is how I do it. And if you think about it, there's a whole industry built around just being on social media where people are making money just because they're getting followers and advertisers and all kinds of stuff like that. So it did create, like, a whole new revenue stream. But realistically, I mean, I don't want to knock somebody, some of these guys and, you know, I don't want them to get all upset. There's not a lot of talent in I don't understand where the talent aspect is in getting followers anyway. And getting followers in the I, that I mean, likes and stuff like that, that doesn't equate, to me, to any ability at all. Yeah, so. Yeah, Yo, you know what I mean? You think of, you ever had? I forget what
0: record it was. Eminem had a record, and, and he said, um something, I don't know, if I think you said my Charlemagne, he was like, your, your talent is critiquing my talent. <laughs> <laughs> like, your your, talent, your sole purpose, why you exist, your talent is critiquing my talent. Um For, Facebook is an app that I, I believe that probably older people use, not so much as younger yeah. people using Facebook. And I wonder how Facebook users fared with the shutdown versus Instagram users fared because Instagram tends to have people a little bit younger. I think that the younger, really younger generation has moved to Snapchat and TikTok. But the reason why I bring that up is because if you're an older person who used Facebook, Facebook wasn't always there. There was a time where you actually had to go outside and interact with people. You know, there was a time and <laughs> people, instead of instant message, you had to actually pick up the phone. Or you could just, you know, text people. Text has been around for a while. Um, so I wonder if, if Facebook people were in less panic mode than younger social media users, that the only thing they know is like, I'm disconnected from our world. And I, it made me it made me actually think about, remember The Matrix when he was like, you gotta unplug from The Matrix? And that's what I kind of, yeah. like that it was. It was like, your people unplug from The Matrix, y'all. I, I would love if, 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 if maybe like once a week, they turn the damn, how you call it, once a week, turn social media off. People probably lose their mind. Or once a month, turn social media off. You know how, how with, with the progress they probably
1: make in terms of helping people with their, uh, their mental health as a result of doing it? Yeah. It, it'll it'll be tremendous. I was thinking something similar with the pandemic. Not to say the pandemic going, but think of it this way. They always talk about the environment. You know how much improvement the environment happened when people couldn't drive outside. All the people—they talked about it in that small amount of, or that amount of time. It changed so much as far as like environmental pollution and stuff. Mm-hmm. But if they had a week a year where people just couldn't couldn't go out around the world, we could probably reverse the whole greenhouse problem. Yeah, them, them, them. Um, them endorphins
0: and that dopamine kicked in for people with that with that damn social media <laughs> I'm sure people probably oh my god oh my god I, I, I can't upload nothing I can't refresh oh god it's a, but it, it would be nice for them to kind of pause and stop like the um the pandemic to me was a pause that I you know it was crippling and it was a pause in a long sense but I'm sure the pandemic probably saved a lot of families. They said divorce was up as a result of the pandemic where people had to be home and interact with their spouse. But at the same time, those same people were probably home with their kids, probably right. able to have dinner with their children, do indoor activities and do stuff, stuff that as the world was going, you know, people sort of got away from. And I, I, I attribute that to social media also, that was social media having that outage just for a couple of hours, that I'm sure it, it really made people probably step back and reflect. say to themselves like okay maybe there is more going on today than social media i wonder if you i don't know if you were down in manhattan but i wonder if in manhattan you see more people with their head up instead
1: of with their heads down and their phone scrolling away trying to see what's going on yeah crossing the street in manhattan must have been pretty good for those hours where cars could actually see people and not hit them a little knock looking (laughs) so it was probably a good day for products in manhattan Oh, man. Tesla, Tesla,
0: Tesla. Oh. Tesla has to pay $147 million to a black employee, employee for racial discrimination. So the, the gentleman that won this lawsuit was, um, I think they said that he was an elevator contractor and that he also I went to his supervisor and went to management and complained that there was excessive use of the N-word. He said that there was a racial epithets uh, written inside the, um, the stalls at the bathroom uh, or the bathrooms um, that that because he was African-American, they made derogative comments. And it it doesn't sound like it was necessarily for management. It sounds like because management didn't address these things going on. And Tesla's response, Tesla had issued a statement. Their response to it was something along the lines of, because this was years ago that Tesla is not the same company that they were five or 10 years ago that they are now. There's still work to do. You know, and I was looking. I was, as I was reading the article. I was like, man, I wonder if they're gonna be some kind of, you know, are they gonna appeal that judgment or something? Because I didn't see anything about an appeal for the judgment. So their money must be real. Long if you just gonna fork over $147 million, $147 million settlement over over some sort of racial discrimination. Um, but yeah, like this, this has made me think. Like, you know, I'm sure this goes on a lot in corporate America. You know, and I think what happens is that a lot of times companies don't realize because they're not the ones that sort of knowingly facilitating racism. When people think of racism at companies, I think they think about like management preventing people of color from moving up or management giving different um, disciplinary action or job duties and things like that to people based on race. I don't know if they, if all of them have a level of awareness to realize that there are other employees within the agency that facilitate racism
1: or create an environment that reflects an environment of racism. Yeah, I, I, well but one thing Tesla I didn't realize until you know Tesla's the the, the most expensive or highest grossing car company in America. They had like seven hundred and thirty plus billion dollars. Wow. So they they got the money. Because so the crazy thing is that um that I read I read or heard the same thing about them saying that a the different company and stuff like this. But they also had a whole thing where I think the board of directors or something has been trying to force them to reveal what their diversity, their diversity initiatives have been. And they haven't been forthcoming to open with what type wow. of diversity initiatives they have within the company. Mm-hmm. So although they say it's different, they like, because it's, I guess, a, a privatized company or someone or, you know, or someone led in that way, they don't really disclose anything as far as like how they conduct business or anything like mm-hmm. that. So, and then one of the things they said was that they, um, the person that ended up, the the guy who won, that they looked into his issues and they were resolved. I mean, they might've been resolved to you, but not resolved in a satisfactory method to the person that's happening. You know, going around telling somebody, yeah, I spoke to him. I mean, what what does that mean? Yeah, I spoke to him. Yeah, we cleaned it off the stall in the bathroom, resolved. No, that's not resolved. So I I think They They may be a little different It may be one of those things That they got a little smarter With covering it up Because supposedly They've had Additional lawsuits And all that And you just never hear about them And they usually Settle
0: everything Yeah I wonder if you know I think sometimes When these things happen Like they're so ingrained In the culture That people don't people you know like the people who are responsible for monitoring these things don't think like this is anything outside of the the, um, the ordinary because they don't see a cross burning on a person's desk or, or something that they feel is egregious but it, it just is so ingrained in the culture and then the other thing that bugged me out when I thought about this I'm like how could we have how could we be talking about a company that's touted for being so innovative and doing all these different things, but there's no innovation when it comes to figuring out how to deal with something like this. So all your innovation is placed in your products and what you can create, you know, your vehicles and now your SpaceX and all these other things. That's where all the innovation lies and all the great wisdom of Elon Musk goes into that. Where's the innovation, the wisdom, and you pushing the envelope and figuring out how to deal with issues like this? You know, and sometimes people's strategy for the stuff is just to pay to make it go away but now that people found out that they pay us I'm sure, I I feel like there's probably going to be a lot of other people coming forward talking about their experience at Tesla
1: yeah it seems like it might be a company where his thought process is win it all costs so he's he's going to go through and push all his ideas and his initiatives too and if if some people fall out or there's something that happens in the process of doing it, so be it Whatever, and he feels like he just fanned. But this $137 million hit—that's kind of a 147. That's kind of like a, a wake-up call. Like, listen, yeah, we know you've been hitting people with a million under the table all over the place, but but like this number's unprecedented. You don't hear yeah, about. it. I want to know. I want to yeah. know who this who this judge is. We need to get a slip and fall in front of him. Yeah, right. <laughs> seven. Like, that's like an unprecedented amount. Yo, um, I'm
0: just wondering out of curiosity, what was the, I don't know if you, offhand you probably wouldn't know, how much did Aaron Brockovich win <laughs> for, 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 for no, under 40? You what I'm saying? Like, yo, not to say that, that, you know, like the the physical damage, <laughs> no. like, like mental mental uh, damage is less than physical damage, but we talking about, we talking about a whole different Ball game when you say 147 million dollars, and the burden of proof is on the person who actually doing the suing. So you know they must have had some real hard evidence to make a judge or or arbitrator, whoever whoever came to that decision, say that yeah, this person, uh, as a result of this what they've been subjected to, they deserve 147 million dollars.
1: Yeah, that's that's a lot of money. Like that judgment is is really unheard of. You don't hear or anything like that. And I think the breakdown was something like. Ten million dollars for this, and I think the rest was from 137 for mental anguish or something.
0: Yeah, I
1: need to I need to find
0: out like like the dude just pulled this random like random number out of the sky like. One yeah, I think <laughs> yo, you, you look like you be. Would 147 million make this go away?
1: Okay, like, but this, this guy's lawyer got them for a million dollars from another employee like oh. earlier in the year. So this guy, the guy that the guy that got the one for the lawyer. He represented another guy who got a million dollars from Tesla early in the year for the same oh. issue. Yep, for the same Yo, issue. if
0: Elon Musk was smart, I hire that dude. Yeah. I will hire. I will hi, hire him, and I will put him in charge. And I'll be like, if that's his specialty, is is lawsuits as it relates to racial discrimination, I will hire him, and I will put him in there. And I'll be like, I need you to do a um Not, yeah. to, do, to do a overhaul, and um how you call it, and work with us on this issue. You know, because if not, this dude he he gonna keep sewing the
1: pants off him. Oh yeah, he's got the formula. He he, he knows what to say or how to get him. Because apparently, if you can go from one million to one forty-seven, I'm What's sure everybody's gonna be. Yeah, everybody that's in there right now that has an issue is gonna be calling his phone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, <laughs> Tesla better be ready because yeah. everybody's gonna be on like, wait a minute, you got this guy a million, so that's like, all right, you got a million dollars, one forty-seven you going to have anybody who had anything done wrong to them calling this guy up. And they, I mean, eventually you get a bad name. And it sounds crazy that, okay, yeah, the cars are selling everything. But all you need, car companies, you get canceled too. You, yeah. Because the minorities buy Teslas too. So <laughs> you need to be a little, little leery or something. Yeah, for sure. Man, I
0: seen on um Hollywood Unlocked. They had a a story where Jamie Lee Curtis says that plastic surgery is wiping out generations of beauty. And she said it because she said that she tried plastic surgery herself. And I think she said that she had, like, Botox and face fillers and stuff like that. And that she became addicted to, um, to Vicodin as a result of it. I think whenever people think about plastic surgery, they somehow, some way, this generation of poster child for plastic surgery, I think, has been the Kardashians.
1: Yeah, everybody
0: always go back. To, oh, they 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 had surgery, um, but I don't know. I, I in terms of being pro or con for um plastic surgery, like I'm not con plastic surgery. I'm pro whatever you feel you want to do that's gonna make you feel better um about yourself. The only time I think it becomes an issue is when you overindulge in the plastic surgery. Like to me, I look at Little Kim now, Little Kim it's unrecognizable like to me it's a is an example of a person who probably had one procedure or a couple of procedures um too many you know but then there are other people that have had procedures that they that you wouldn't even know they have procedures like i don't see anything wrong that if a person says that they you know their their whole life they wanted to have a brush job and they get money and they go have a brush job you know or or they wanted to get their nose changed or whatever it is. Like, to me, I think it's, it's all fair. It's all fair to do it as long as you do it and you don't go, get to the point where you just become so unrecognizable or you become a shell of yourself. You know, a lot of people are opposed to, um, to plastic surgery and I think their opposition comes from a place of feeling like the, the level of danger um, around it, you know? It's right now, DR is a popular country that a lot of people go to for plastic surgery. And I remember, um, I always hear a lot of people say it also that they'd be like, you know, if you go to DR and you come back from DR, you see like a whole bunch of people lined up in wheelchairs in a plane where everybody's coming back from getting their plastic surgery. Um, I don't, you know, honestly, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if, if you can go to DR and get plastic surgery for cheaper and the job is done just as well as getting it done in the States, that's up to you. Like to me, my position around it is like whatever people do as it relates to their own personal health and how they feel about their image, I'll leave that with them. I just don't like to see people who don't need it, get it, keep getting it and keep getting it. Cause personally, I didn't think anything was ever wrong with little Kim.
1: No. I mean, my thing is this, is, yeah, everybody has the right to try to, you know, choose all the way. And there's few things that people regret throughout their whole life as The way their nose may look, or the way certain things look, or move jobs and stuff like that. I mean... I think some of this plastic surgery stuff, yeah, like especially the DR stuff, can be dangerous because supposedly that's how Kanye West's mother passed away because they wouldn't give her the plastic surgery here, and she went to DR um, some some, um, some procedures. I just, I just think with the plastic surgery is that if you're trying to live up to this ideal look or chasing the look of youth and chasing the look, that, that becomes a problem because maybe she's talking about the, her generational beauty thing is that people do grow old <laughs> and you know it doesn't mean that you necessarily become this ugly troll or something because you got old but well, you gotta try to you gotta try to be the same You gotta if you're, if you're 48 or 50 or 60 realistically in life part of progressing is that you won't look like you're 28 anymore that's just life is naturally but if you feel like in order to make yourself feel good you got to look like a 28 year old. That's probably a little bit more mental, you know, mental thing, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. and physical because, you know, with all these filters and different stuff, yeah, anything you want to augment that you can that's, that's safe and is reasonable, uh, but there's no reason that if you know if you can afford it or can do it and that's what you want, there's no problem with that. But when you start making it, like you said, a little camera, so pointless obsession with. I gotta maintain youth i gotta maintain youth. i gotta look like this i gotta look like this person i mean look at the lady they had in Manhattan, they used to call her the cat lady but she looked yeah like- I yeah. It. yeah yeah i mean you got people that, that they just do so much that it, and i i gotta believe that somewhere down the line yeah. that this stuff will affect you because once you get it it doesn't last forever so you got to keep getting it or doing things like that stuff and it, it's so many like you said there's so many subtle things that people get done like uh, one of the biggest things that people get all the time is a nose job and most people won't even notice it because it's so subtle and be unless you go super aggressive <laughs> <laughs> yeah you get, people get that people subtly get botox but you don't really notice that stuff and Unless you go crazy, the lip fillers all this. Talk are like very, maybe minor to us, but surgeries that happen that people don't even realize. Yeah, yeah. There's like procedures that people could go
0: like right into a regular office and get their Botox and get you know, fillers or whatever it is. Um, but there, it, it, I, I see where she's going also in the sense of, you know, like there was a time where people grew old gracefully and they were still considered like, all right, this is still a very beautiful person. But then now it's starting to become like un- unrealistic when you look and you're looking like this person 70 years old and they have work to look like they 25 years old, but people know that they they're 70. And then I think the other thing that she was kind of trying to take a, take a shot at is almost like to go back to the Kardashians, like you see the Kardashians and you see the work that they had done. But then you think about like all right, like I've heard people say before, like all right, you remember with what's her name? Um what's what's the not Chloe, not Courtney, what's the other Kylie. Probably, you know what Kylie looked like pre-surgery, you know, and she's having these children. What are the children gonna look? The children gonna look like her prior to her actual surgery, <laughs> whatever. And <laughs> not that she was not not that she was a horrendous-looking person, yeah, pre-surgery. But I'm I'm guessing that there's probably like so much pressure. With keeping up this image or this portrayal of what people deem to be beautiful, that you know, that's when people get people get roped into it, you know. Like, but that to me, there's nothing wrong with like if you say like, all right, I want to get this done, I want to get that done, or whatever. Like, I don't see anything wrong with that. I, again, I just think it becomes problematic, when you get like the cat lady of uh, Manhattan though, or you get like the little Kim, where it's like, yo, know, little little
1: Kim, I don't. I feel like any surgery that's possible, little Kim probably already underwent. Yeah. I, I think it's sad too because I think a person like Jimmy Lee Curtis, she she may or may not be doing it, but I'm sure like when they go out and cast these roles, that some of that stuff comes into play because people people aesthetically want to see things on film or see a person look a certain way. Yeah. Granted, he's, you know she's real, sort of probably like I think in her late 60s or something, so it may not affect her much, but. It's always been the case that 20-year-olds play 18-year-olds, you know. Yeah. 20-year-olds play 20-year-olds. The only thing is, is with the emergence of cosmetic surgery and all the rest of this stuff, you're going to be doing a lot of chasing now. So yeah. now the a, a 40-year-old expectation might be to look like the 20-year-old. You know, yeah. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's a fact. You switching over from um, from Jamie Lee Curtis, Jamie
0: Lee Curtis had, like, one of her biggest roles was playing in Hall- Halloween. Um... Continuing with our segment of Gimme Five, this week our Gimme Five is, give me your top five favorite horror movies
1: and why. Okay, I'm I'm gonna start with one. It's funny you say that. I'm gonna start with Halloween, but Halloween two. Halloween Okay. That's the one where they were like mostly in the hospital and stuff or something. Mm -hmm. Mr. Garrett. Yeah, with Mr. Garrett, yeah. I I, I, just, I I like that one. I thought I still I tell you the truth. I still really like the Halloween series, and I will definitely be watching this, this movie. The new one, one I want to see too. Yeah, I one. just think that, that you know the the, the storyline is pretty good. The way they the way they capture Michael Myers and stuff in the sense that like it's still real horror, and if it's was horror then. Like it's, it's not like it's, it's not like comedy horror, or, or you know, or, or something. Yeah. They, they do basically they have an intention to try to scare people and do things in a subtle way and surprise people in mm-hmm. and, and the movie they managed to do that like real subtle life and stuff like that and Michael was relentless and it's one of those things where where him. It, it was instead of having a guy that's talking and stuff like that and everything else you can never get a feel on him. like it's, they could take that story so many ways like michael was a mental institution and michael's from the devil and all that different stuff so it's, it's yes. a good it's a real good story too.
0: Yeah, I, um
1: yeah, I, you know one of the things that I that I've
0: liked about Michael Myers also, I, to me the worst Halloween ever was Halloween three where they had to oh, join no. about the man. That had oh, nothing to yeah. do. Myers wasn't even in it. I don't know what they were thinking. But I um, what I liked about Michael Myers was Michael Myers aside from him being able to survive like certain things, could have just been any real weirdo dude. <laughs> That's not snapped and flipped out like there was nothing really supernatural to him he was just like a weirdo no. with a knife that had issues well, <laughs> so <well, laughs> it's so like yo okay not someone killing That's well, well, yeah. so um yeah I I, I I, can rock with that i put you know to me like one of the all time scariest um, horror movies the Exorcist the original Exorcist Yeah, I thought that that was like a, a, an extremely um Scary movie, and, and probably a lot of it had to do with the with, with how they made Linda Blair up, and 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 just the whole possessed element and everything. Um, it's an old film, but I think to this day, like that's one of one of those films that I think will stand the test of time when people look back. I like the horror um, archives and be like, yo, this is a staple or signature film for, um, for The Exorcist. And they've tried to redo it a couple of times and they've added sequels and everything, but that original, that original Exorcist, to me, that's like one of the, the, the scariest films of all time. Which, which your second pick? Uh, this is me in a
1: laugh at this one. I got to say Maniac. Now part of the reason why I said <laughs> Maniac is because- You got to tell people what Maniac is because you got <laughs> to lot. <laughs> I gonna start off with this. I seen Maniac when I was eight. <laughs> and Maniac was about a guy who was kind of, he was kind of like, had some issues with his mom, that would go out, and he would get, get strippers, and like, evil strippers, and like, you know, prostitutes, and he cut their hair off the hairline and put it on mannequin because he was just crazy. And I guess part of the reason is that I was like terrified at the age of 80. So, so that, that was part of the reason. And it just stuck with me because I'm like, this is it. And, and, and when you see something like that at that age and you say, this guy was crazy, and it just sticks with you. So maybe, re- you know, they redid that film? Yeah. Yeah. Elijah Wood, I, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, didn't, he wasn't as scary as the original dude. No, the real dude.
0: Again, going back to the theme of like, yo, just not anything supernatural. Just a sick dude <laughs> with mental health issues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It. That dude was, yo, he was a weirdo for real. Like, he, yeah. he would be rubbing the mannequin legs and all that, yeah. like yeah. talking to him and stuff like that. Yeah, I'm gonna go for my next one. All uh, to me, this is a series that has its highs. It has its lows. But the very first one, A Nightmare on Elm Street, where yeah. Freddy Krueger was first introduced to the world, was, well, it was a scary movie. Yeah. The decline, the, what made the series decline, honestly, is that somebody somewhere decided that Freddy should have more dialogue. And Freddy went from being a scary dude that was thought up by Wes Craven um, to to like a stand-up comedian before you know it, before he had the, he had all kind of one-liners, before he killed people, uh, he was he he was telling jokes. He was he made I think Freddie got a rap song or something like that. Yeah, Freddie yeah. Rapping. It just became Freddie himself became larger than life, and to me it really it, it 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 destroyed what potentially could have been a really great franchise. Like to me, Nightmare on Elm Street one. It's a, it's a wonderful film. Nightstream, night, Nightmare on Elm Street 2 is a subpar film. Then they came back, 3, I really liked. The Dream Warriors, I thought that was a really good film. And then after 3, it was kind of like they just they lost me. Like a lot of the stuff was just garbage. Yeah. I have having them on screen, propping them up. Even when they redid it, the re, with them redoing it, I didn't, I didn't think it was a good film. But the original, Nightmare on Elm Street, I thought was a really good film. And to me, it was it was that was a scary film. Even though that had like you know, super supernatural powers and all that or whatever, it was a good film.
1: What's your what's your third one? So you you brought up a series. I'm gonna bring up another series, the Friday the Thirteenth series. Mm-hmm. So I've always liked that. I kind of like the second one more than the first one, but the Friday the Thirteenth series I find it good. Like you said, as it grew, one thing about him again, he's another guy that was him. I don't know. He just never said anything or something. It's like they they, they did this dude dirty at, at a camp. The <laughs> other came back and he flipped out. His mom flipped out first and then he came mm-hmm. back. But that's, again, another series where it's like hit or miss where, like, two and three were good. And then they sometime where at point they went off the rails where they went into Jason in space. and hey, Jason, Jason in Manhattan. Manhattan. Yeah. Jason in Manhattan shot a fair one with a dude on the roof. It then and then oh, some toxic waste in Manhattan, and a, a, a Toxic waste in a barrel in the alley in Manhattan. I'm like, that's a different see sure. But <laughs> then then he walked behind a cruise line <laughs> or something, so they went off the rails, but they had, they had some, some good points in the city. And again, I think they might you know what they might have had? They might have had some of the best music in a horror movie. That, that that background, that kill, kill, kill that's yeah. that one of the best things in any horror movie they they I, I, I agree i think that the the use of music in,
0: in in horror movies and how you use it to set the uh, the scene and create tension is pivotal and what i see in in horror movies now is that horror movies now rely more on camera angles and quick shifts to camera angles than actual horror you know and i know it's built it's, it's meant to build intensity around things and to, you know, get you as the person watching the film on the, on the edge of your seat. But it's like that the, the element of, of being scary has gone to now mostly, forget about the commercial, the, um, the, the, the actual character development and the storyline and all that. Now it's just about, all right, how do you jump the camera to catch a person off guard kind of thing. And you look at like now, like just where the, where the stories are going. Now the stories are all about the paranormal activities and the conduit yeah. things like that. So i don't know my third one i'm gonna go with and the reason why i picked this one is because this 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 is based on an actual an actual event that happened and i'm gonna go with amityville yeah amity amityville horror you know long island is the house in long island the amityville house where um the dude went crazy and, and kill people in the house. Now, was it just again? I'm seeing the theme here with people going crazy and killing people. But again, like this is this was a real story, something that actually actually happened. And to this day, that house is still there. And the dude's um, rationale for why he did is he said that he was possessed possessed by the devil. Now they took that real story and then attempted to add additional sequels and stuff to it because i guess they figured it had legs and they were going to do more with it but the original amityville that very first Amityville, and even the amityville remake wasn't to me it wasn't horrible that i think was an amazing story that was well told and i thought that that was a scary film what's your uh, fourth one
1: i'm gonna go with candy man Okay, the original one? Or the, I didn't see the reboot yet. You know, you the reboot? I will tell you this. I've seen the, the remake one, and I can actually say that it's, it's really good. And it was some, it's one of those things where you don't feel like you lost much from the original to the new one. Yeah, I have to check it out. And, and, it, and they tie the original theme into the new one. So it's not like some completely new story. It kind of right. explains some of the stuff from the original one. Okay. And the whole thought of it is that it's, it's crazy because you know, usually, what's we'll it? I hate to say it, in the horror movie usually don't see like minorities because minorities don't run and trip and do all types of crazy mm-hmm. stuff. Or like, they get killed first. Yeah, they get out of there. As soon as they head to work, uh, somebody yelling "Get out!" they leave. <laughs> but is it, what, what I liked about it is that the, for one thing, the setting was different. You would never thought there was gonna be a horror person in the projects. Yeah. you're you know <laughs> Yeah, some dude running around the green projects killing people that, <laughs> the, the setting is different so most of these horror movies that like we're talking about like at least the ones we're talking like the real the people that really went crazy people that could be in real settings and stuff mm-hmm. like that so it, it was i thought i thought it was pretty good and the story behind it you got to see the new one they tie some different stuff and it brings some different themes into it that's that's pretty interesting too yeah i'm a, i'm a, i'm gonna check it out i guess you know candy man reminds me of the,
0: the folklore of bloody mary yeah the yeah. bloody mary stuff and then i think they also try to expand on that because then they have the slender man thing too or something yeah like that. yeah my, for my next one i'm gonna go um children of the corn yeah I'm good children children of the corn was uh was was to me was a, another Scary horror movie. And the theme, another theme I see is that a lot of the horror movies that I find to be like scary movies are older films. You yeah. know, and I think that we that that Hollywood is going away from making like those hardcore horror, horror, horror films to now it's more so about again, you know, like a lot of the stuff seems to go around like um uh, like possession, like the conjurings, the 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 What's the other popular yeah. series they have? They have the
1: Conjuring, oh, What's with The, the Doll,
0: yeah, Annabelle, and like yeah, all seem um, to have that same that 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 same theme or paranormal, paranormal activity, those kind of themes paranormal. going on. But Children of the Corn yeah. was like a, a, a basically it was a film where it was kids that were running the town that they worshipped, I guess. I don't know if it was almost like um, something out in the cornfield or, 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 or whatever it was. Um, and they were going around killing like the adults and they, you know, they had rule of the, the town. I feel like Corn probably came out like in the, it had to be like the mid 80s. You know, yeah. and that, another film, I, I believe they may have tried to remake that as well. Yeah, I didn't see that one, but I think they did. And I think they did a sequel. I don't remember what the sequel was about, but, um, the original one, to me, that was that was a really a really scary
1: film. What's your fifth one? Um, I'm gonna go with this. This is what is the final destination? Final destination? Wow, the that's a beautiful pick. The original first one. Yeah, the original, you know what For one thing final destination touches on something that is it's, it's interesting in the sense that it's like a cause and effect type of thing or something like how a person's life could you could disturb the natural order of life and how things the same how i guess about you know how would they want to put it whatever you know whatever it is readjust. Time, time. yeah that's where you can basically you can't escape death so i thought that that was pretty interesting. The theme. And so I mean, it's a series, and some you know, the first couple of good. You know, they started to get far away with it. But one thing that's interesting about that series is if you watch the whole series, the last one they had, mm-hmm. they make it so that it ties back into the first. first so yeah, a, or a complete loop to tell you about cause and effect. Yeah, yeah, very
0: creative. I'm gonna go for my um uh, my last one. I'm gonna go um it um Stephen King. Both to me. Both, um, recently, they released it in, in film. and But prior to that, I remember when it was originally released, it was on uh, TV, two-part on TV, and then now it's two-part on um, film. I just said, you know what, no no special reason other than the fact that I think that Stephen King is like one of the best writers of our generation, yeah. and especially with, the, with, with like the horror drama. Like to me, he's just a great storyteller. Like, you know, people don't realize that, Besides horror, like some of the stuff this man wrote, *Shawshank Redemption*, *Stand by Me*, um, you know films like that. But that yeah. was a great film that told us told a story of friends in a in a small town. And he was able to incorporate horror it. And then for honorable mention, Stephen King also *The Shining*. Yeah, but *The Shining* I thought was a um, was a great film. But Stephen King had a, his his run when it comes to um to films like yeah like it's like this dude some of the stuff that he cranked out like if you think about even like the like pet cemetery yeah and, and things like that i'm like his pen to me or <laughs> whatever like his imagination is just way out there beyond like some of these other people do you have any honorable mentions or any other films
1: the omen The original yeah original omen, yeah, the, yeah, the original omen. I mean a lot of a lot of stuff again that's like somewhat I guess like the original possession type of things, like the way the end mm-hmm. type of things. But yeah, that's that de- definitely one. And then like you said, Stephen King got a whole host of whole host of movies. You can go, go through all of his stuff from, from remember from Cujo, to Carrie. Carrie to Yeah, he's got he's got like a list of movies. And a lot of his stuff I will say this, even the remakes are pretty good. I thought true. I thought it was pretty good so all oh, the new chapters I thought those were yeah. good
0: yeah yeah that's what I'm saying like even when people do it over it doesn't stray away from whatever his original story is you know why that may be like it may be because him you know his stories He maybe he got approved the screenwriter like nah you're not just gonna put any of my product mm-hmm. all, all, on the screen when he's a book that they you know he's a phenomenal book like, some of the work that he's had some things that I wasn't like too I was like, yeah. as, well, like I think he had um um what was it the needful things to me yeah a, that was all right And yeah, maximum overdrive i really wasn't a big yeah, fan I wasn't. um but when you start talking
1: again like the carries the kujos pet cemeteries and things what like that, that like... what was the one with the gypsies that wasn't that was dinner that was dinner was good yeah, Thinner. Yep. Yeah, Dinner was good, too. So, that to me, I
0: and I, I wouldn't categorize him as a sole horror writer. I think he's like a suspense thriller, you know, type writer, but uh, his films seem to be adapted for horror
1: purposes. And to me, the dude is just like, yo, he's a, he's a great writer. He's yeah, a, he's got he, he's he's a ton of them from Sleepwalkers to, I mean, there's, there's a ton a of even cool. Do. Do. Oh, do there's there's cool. He, he had a stretch with yeah he had a stretch but he was just the guy where he he was putting out stuff where like a 10-20 year stretch where you basically watch everything he put out yeah yeah, nah he was, dude was on fire I am looking forward though to seeing that new Halloween yeah me too
0: that new Halloween it looks like it's put together pretty um, pretty well you know Halloween I really didn't
1: care for Do you ever see the one with Buster in it yeah, yeah, I didn't get it. <laughs> that's when they start. Remember the social media thing? And he was, yeah. Did uh, they have uh, Did they have one with LL in it too? I think. Yeah, the one with LL. That's the one where where they were like kids were supposed to go on a trip, but they never left the school. Yeah. Maybe Curtis had like a bottle of vodka in the freezer. <laughs> but they managed. They managed to keep that keep that going too. I think. You know what I think it is too. Sometimes I think with horror movies with a with an actual the actual guy doesn't speak it's easier to keep on because you don't have to like it's no character development we know this guy's gonna go out there and kill people and that's it we don't we don't want to hear his. he's not gonna tell us about his backdrop we're not going to hear him start having a discussion with nobody. Even when they're talking to him, he's just looking at him, ready to kill him. So Yeah. You see, I mean, think
0: about it yeah, The First Nightmare on Elm Street, I'm sure when they gave Robert Unglin that first script for Nightmare on Elm Street 1, it was probably only a couple of pages. But by the time they got to the end, wow. know, this dude got more lines. Than, granted, you know, Freddy Krueger's the main character. People showed yeah. up for Freddy Krueger. But I'm like, yo, this dude got every, almost every, every scene he on screen and before he kill anybody, we gotta get a joke, we gotta get an explanation. There has to be all this other, I'm like, God, damn, this dude then went from killing people to basically lecturing them. You remember Freddy vs. Jason? yeah yeah that wasn't um, to me that was a that was a novelty film yeah that I think that they just felt like you know both two series that got cult followings you know put on put them on the screen together yeah. and see what comes of it I, didn't, I you know honestly i i saw that in the in the theater i didn't think it was
1: a bad movie No, the, the funny part is then didn't, didn't um freddie make a joke to the effect that jason doesn't talk this guy doesn't speak or something yeah
0: yeah yeah i don't i don't think it was a bad movie at all. I, I, it was a reach on how they tied Crystal Lake in yeah. or you know, Elm Street or uh, whatever. That was a reach but it was a horrible at one point I think that they was trying to add um, I don't know if it was um, I don't know if it was Michael Myers or somebody else they was trying to add into it to the yeah. one. You know it's an underrated series also that um the, the Texas Chainsaw, like, yeah, they're not. It's not great. They're not great films, but they're not horrible. Like, did you see oh, the no. Chainsaw Massacre, the one with on um, Trey Songz? In? Yeah, yeah. They,
1: I, I, I that I was like, yeah, it's a decent, a decent horror film. You know who I think adapts those films pretty good too? That he does a decent job from Rob Zombie.
0: Yeah, yeah. Because he thought uh, he was
1: responsible for rebooting Halloween, right? Yeah, yeah. And when they the reboot, I think of Jason. I thought it was uh, Friday the Thirteenth. I thought that was okay too. Yeah, yeah, they they're doing a pretty good job of re- remaking these movies. Like it's not like I think what it is is that they're modernizing, but they're not getting too far away from it. Mm-hmm.
0: So that, yeah. that's not about them. I hope that I do hope they leave Nightmare because they already remade Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. My remake. I was like, yo, this dude. I, I I honestly I hope that they that they stay away and, and just leave it, let it be now. But for a long time, I didn't realize that um, that Freddy Krueger sweater was red and green.
1: I used to think it was red and black. <laughs> well, look how crazy it is too. They redid Child's Play, and now they're actually coming out with a Child's Play series. Okay? Yeah. So I never found Child's Play to be um, scary. No. I, never thought
0: no. that was, I never thought that was a scary film. But they gonna get I mean, that's, I- they went They went crazy on and. Created 14 different ones or whatever. The last one, the last one I watched, we watched. It wasn't. It wasn't that. It wasn't horrible. It was something. It was one of them films. I don't know about you. Like if you can't sleep on a Saturday, late night on a Saturday, you just turn on the TV and you hey, watch yeah. it. It was one of them joints. It, okay. it wasn't. something that you want to sit down and plan and be like, oh, let me look through the guide. Okay, I got to turn the child play at such and such time.
1: DVR that. Is. It's
0: just something on the screen you watch. But it wasn't a horrible film.
1: There's there's another series that people used to watch that I thought it was okay, but Hell remember Hellraiser? Yeah, with um Pinhead and yeah, the whole thing. Right. You, you
0: play with the box and unlock yeah. the yeah. Yeah, right.
1: yeah.
0: It was alright. Yeah, it was alright. It was decent. So that concludes our episode for this week. Thank you for tuning in. We look forward to seeing everybody next week.